I have wanted to be back here since the moment I left. And it was been four years. And when I mm. walked out, it it's like everything in the world stopped. Like nothing mattered. It was just the lights, the ring. And I just walked in there and I felt so at home. For whenever you're listening to the Joshi Pod, your weekly podcast about the world of Japanese women's wrestling, Joshi Wrestling. I'm your host, Eric Howard, coming to you from beautiful San Diego, California. And before we get into the Joshi Wrestling talk, I think there's something way more important uh, going on in the world to talk about. Um, we do have an interview with Masha Slamovich later on in the show. But first, I want to welcome to the show uh, Phil Lindsay the editor-in-chief of the Bell to Bells uh, website. And uh, welcome to the show, Phil. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much. So I'm uh, terribly underqualified to talk about what's going on in not only America, in the world right now. Um, after the uh, murder of uh, George Floyd, I, I say murder. I, I think it's absolutely murder. And um, by a, a police officers. Phil, I wanted to have you on because... Like I I told you off air, I I follow you on Twitter. I respect your opinion. Um, You've educated me. Uh, I'm I'm hoping you've educated other people because, you know, I I don't think I'm much different than the the average person that uh, would say something like all lives matter with with the best of intentions. But why do you think people are or why? Why? Is it not the right time to say all lives matter? All lives matter, but it's more important right now than ever to say Black Lives Matter. Uh, just because I think um, I think Black people need to know that we're heard, and just to know that our struggles are seen. Um, you know, I think I don't I don't think a lot of people mean anything malicious when they say all lives matter. I think they're just you know trying to say we're all in this together, but you know. Part of, you know, understanding that we're all in this together is just understanding that we don't all have the same struggle sometimes and and recognizing someone else's struggle and saying, I'm here with you. So, you know, Black Lives Matter. Um, Again, that's not to, you know, downplay, you know, anybody else's struggles. That's not to say that, you know, white lives don't matter or anybody else's lives don't matter. But, you know, in just this in this situation where you have something so egregious happen to someone. And, um, you know, we just need to speak up. We just need to uh, speak up how we can. And, you know, you know, stuff like this should just stop happening. The, the protesting has, has gone on. And explain why peaceful protests don't always work. I mean, everybody always says, oh, why can't you peaceful protest? Why can't you peaceful protest? I don't think that always works. I mean, what is your opinion? Do you, do you think peaceful protests always work? Uh, I, I, I do, I do think, um, there's something to be said about just the reaction to peaceful protests. Cause I think there's a lot of peaceful protests that is done and it doesn't get the same reaction mm-hmm. if it's not disruptive. Um, cause I mean, you have things like Kaepernick kneeling and he was doing something peaceful. I mean, you have other things where people do things like sit-ins and those things are peaceful and, you know, a lot of people ignore it. They ignore it until, you know, things start to get disruptive. And, you know, that's not to say that I agree with destruction or, you know, with looting. But 
it it is tricky because a lot of times they don't listen until things start getting disruptive or things start getting, you know, where it's a problem and it's loud enough where it's on the news. Or where it affects you. You know, if it doesn't affect you, it really doesn't. In, Absolutely. It's almost not real almost if it doesn't affect you. Absolutely. I mean, people can ignore it if you're looking at it on TV and you're seeing someone on TV like, oh, man, I, I wish they would stop protesting. But then if it's different where you're in somebody's neighborhood and, you know, you have to see it and, you know, you have to see, you know, traffic being disrupted and, you know, your way of life being disrupted. How does it make you feel as, a, as an African-American to see here in the United States, all over the country, around the world for people, you know, standing up in, in supporting the Black Lives Matter movement? Uh, it It's good because I, I you know, I, I really believe that, you know, things like this won't stop happening until more people outside the black community start speaking up as well. We can't be the only ones to speak up every time this happens. Um, so I think we all have to speak up and we all have to be united in speaking up. Um, at the same time, you know, I just really hope people understand, you know, after, you know, the hashtags are gone and after, you know, the protests have stopped and, you know, maybe this goes to court. I, I, I just think we all still need to speak up. I mean, and that means speaking up when you see racism on a regular basis. That means speaking up for a friend and supporting, you know, people when they come out and they express grievances. You know, we we should. It's great, like I said, that there's support now, but I don't want people to think this is just a moment and it'll pass. I think, you know, fighting racism is something that, you know, we have to keep doing. It's a continuous fight. Yeah, it has to be an, an institutional change. It can't be just, you know, a surface change. This has to be, um, I mean, gen generations of people's thoughts have to be have to be changed. Right. So what have you, uh, how have you participated? What have you done to, to participate in, in the Black Lives Matter movement since, uh, since the murder? Uh, you know, I, I try to do what I can. I try to uh, speak up about certain things when I can. I try to use my platform as much as I can. I don't think I have a huge platform. I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a celebrity or anything, but. But you, you know, affected, you affected me. <laughs> that's, that's great. I mean, I just, you know. I feel like people at least pay attention sometimes when I'm on Twitter or even when I'm just writing certain articles. So I try to, you know, highlight certain things when I can. Um, I did go out to protests on Tuesday. So I, I, I but, I, you know, I, I think protesting helps, but I just think we need to all get together and just learn to listen to each other. And that's that's part of why, like I said, All Lives Matter does have its I think people feel like it has a good intention, but. I feel I kind of feel like when people say all lives matter, they're not necessarily listening. They're thinking, oh, well, are you saying my life doesn't matter, too? No, I'm not saying it. you got to you got to hear us. And I think that's just the, I think that's the best thing we can learn out of this is learning how to listen to each other. Absolutely. So let's take it from a wrestling perspective now. Wrestling has been notorious for for stereotypes and and things like that. And um, the biggest company in the world is a supporter of um, our current president. <laughs> um, what is your opinion on um, kind of almost the hypocrisy? I, I think it's hypocrisy of WWE issuing statements saying they're you know they're part of their they believe in the Black Lives Matter movement and yet uh, don't uh, always practice what they preach. Uh you know, everybody's in a tricky situation. You know, everybody's trying to everybody's trying to put out statements now because it's so, you know, it's so in vogue to do it now. So you think it's an ob ob obligation to do it now? 
I, I do in a way because I feel like it's it's good branding, right? You know, mm-hmm. nobody wants to feel like, oh, if I don't speak up, then they might boycott my product. Or, you know, I, I don't want our reputation to get um, slighted by this. So, you know, let me put out this statement, whether it's half-hearted or not, and let, let me at least get in front of it. And you're absolutely right. I do think it's hypocrisy because, I mean, they've done things on their programming that has helped to further certain beliefs about racism and i mean i feel like they've had incidents like the ach incident Mm -hmm. earlier this year and other incidents that they've handled really poorly um but it's just such a it's such a hard it's such a hard thing to criticize corporations on because corporations are not for us they're not trying to help people their their whole goal is to make money so their whole thing is they're looking at this as, oh, well, you know, long as we say something, then people, maybe people will keep watching or maybe people will keep buying this and, and buying our T-shirts. So th- there's a bit of a cancel culture out there out there right now on social media about, you know, when, when somebody say all lives matter, people are right away to, ready to jump on them and attack them and, and, you know, almost, you know, bury them in a way almost, you know what I mean? To, to, um, to automatically assume that they have the worst intentions when they say all lives matter. What, what's your opinion on the kind of the cancel culture? It's not just in this situation. It's in almost everything right now in, in the social media, but the, the cancel culture for, for people that are maybe naive and have the best intentions, but maybe aren't uh, fully grasping what's going on right now. Yeah. I, I do think there's this kind of tendency caused by the internet at the moment where everybody wants to just be able to cut people off if they don't agree with them. And I'm not saying that racism is a matter of disagreement, um, mm-hmm. but I do think, like, if you don't agree with maybe how someone phrased the statement or, you know, you don't agree with how they came out and said something, that I think people are just so ready to just completely just cut you off and dash you off. Um, I personally don't believe in that. I, I mean, like I said, I don't. I, it, it depends on the day, I guess I should say. <laughs> it, it depends on the day that I, I see all lives matter. You know, sometimes I can kind of brush it off and try and explain why it's wrong. And sometimes it irritates me more than anything. Because, um, you know, you keep explaining things to certain people sometimes. And, you know, after a while, it's, it's, it gets tiring. It's tiring explaining it. And I understand that. But I don't think it's helpful to just completely go, oh, this person is racist because they said all lives matter or, or this person just needs to be completely excommunicated because they said that. I don't think that's helpful um, because they didn't learn anything at that point. Um, now, if you, if you went out of your way to try and communicate with them, why all lives matter isn't something they should say at, at this point and they still just ignore you or something, then there's a problem there, but then mm-hmm. they don't want to learn. They don't want to grow from it. No, I agree. Yeah. In, in, I think, People need to um, shut up and listen sometimes. Listen and learn, you know, yeah. to, to take a step back and, you know, you, you're, you have your opinion, but, you know, listen to other people's opinions, you know, and, 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 and learn from them. You know, when I close my eyes and, and think about the world, it's different than, Phil, than you close your eyes and you think about the world. And for me to, to understand your perspective, I've got to shut up. I've got to listen. Right. I mean, and that just goes across the board. There's things that I don't understand. I mean, I have no idea what it's like to be a woman in America. And I know they go through different struggles. And, you know, it's not my place as a man to, if a woman points out something that's sexist, to go, oh, well, we all have struggles. 
we're sure we all have struggles, but we don't all have the same unique struggles. Very well said. Very well said. Hey, Phil, explain this to him because bells, bell to bells is um, is something. It's it's not your just your typical wrestling uh, website. Kind of explain to what bell to bells is and why why you started it. Uh, well, I I didn't personally start it. Um, it started by um, Chris and Ashley and uh, Lauren Founts. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a for my knowledge, just the only women's wrestling site out there that's completely owned by women. Excellent. Um, and I, I met uh, Kristen and Lauren at Diva Dirt. I don't know if you are familiar with Diva Dirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I met them at Diva Dirt. I, um, I was working on the staff when Kristen was editor-in-chief there. Um, she left Diva Dirt last April. And uh, Lauren left was there with us as well. She left a little bit afterwards. Um, and they came up with the idea to start their own women's wrestling site just because they, they just they I, I think they wanted to see their vision of what a women's wrestling news site looks like, um, just based off of working at Diva Dirt and and not getting what they felt like they wanted to see in um, the online wrestling community. So when I left uh, Diva Dirt as well. I was excited about what they were doing and I was, you know, gung ho to help. Um, now I didn't immediately think I was going to end up, you know, being editor in chief when I first started, <laughs> I was just writing there. But, um, after a while I ended up taking over as editor in chief. Um, it's just, I, I think for us, I think it's been really important to just, um, not only just promote women's wrestling, but just promote different perspectives and just to promote, um, other women's wrestling outside of what WWE is doing and what's outside of maybe what like AEW or Impact is doing and just shed light on freelance. I mean, not freelance, I'm sorry, uh, independent wrestling and, and Joshi wrestling as well. Tell me about uh, what the mission, basically the mission statement is um, for, for Bell to Bells. It's, it's, it's about positivity, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, because, you know, women's wrestling news is, is kind of interesting, um, <laughs> <to say the laughs> least. like I see a lot of what people cover it and it's just, I don't think it's in the same light that they cover a lot of male wrestling. Like, it just seems like, you know, a lot of people cover a lot of, a lot of frivolous stuff like, Oh, you know, what relationship is this woman in? Or what is this woman doing outside of wrestling? I mean, it's getting better now because women's wrestling is getting more and more popular. So there's more and more things to, um, report on, but at least from my point of view, I try to stay away from doing the kind of the <laughs> what everybody else does and just reporting on the entertainment side of it and just taking women's wrestling seriously because it should be taken seriously. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of what we do you know, on the Joshi Pod here. Is we, we we I talk to the women and their job happens to be their their wrestlers, but they're also human beings with with real lives and and, and you know. They have the struggles as well, you know, as, as any other person would have. Right. So, Phil, uh, as we wrap up here real quick, I, I want to, again, thank you for, for joining us. Um, again, kind of explain one last time about how you think the masses can help us make a difference and, and have change in, in this world in, in, a positive, uh, in a positive way. Uh, I mean, right now, I mean, if you... You see, there's um, there's tons of things you can donate to for back Black Lives Matter. There's tons of petitions out there that you can sign. You know, I don't want everybody to think everyone has to be out in the street protesting. If that's not if that's not what you 
still moves you. You can still you can still donate. You can still sign petitions. You can still speak out online. You can still um, speak out in your circles because like, I think that's really really important. I mean, what people do online and what people do outside of their social circles is important too. But I think it's important that you know when you see someone say something that may or may not be racist, even if it's something that's problematic, just correct them on it. Or, you know, if, if that's a friend, if that's a family member, it's important. It's important to have tough conversations. May I ask you one more question? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm afraid to say something because I'm afraid I'm going to stick my foot in my mouth. <laughs> not, on, not on purpose, you know, but, you know, people sometimes are afraid to say the wrong thing. And so they just keep their mouth shut. What, yeah. sort of, what sort of advice would you give to me if, if sometimes I'm afraid to say something because I'm afraid that I'm going to say the wrong, like the All Life Matters thing. Some, if I said All Life Matters right now with the best of intentions, people might jump down my throat. But if if some, if some I <laughs> – you, you, you understand where I'm coming from, where you know I, yeah. I want to say something, but I'm afraid to say something at the same time? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's why the internet is tricky because, you know, the internet isn't really always the place for intelligent, nuanced conversation. <laughs> um, you can say that again. <laughs> it, it, and so, I mean, I, I do think sometimes people might say things that are, you know, maybe not the correct way of saying it, or maybe they said something where there is merit into it, in it but, you know, there might have been something they said towards the tail end of it that people don't agree with, but people will focus on the part that they don't agree with. Um, that's just kind of how, how it goes. I, I fall into that situation a lot online where I say something and, you know, I think people will know what I meant, but they'll just focus on that one part that they don't like. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 I guess I guess my best advice would be like, um, you know, just speak up and have, you know, you know, when you're being genuine, you know, when you have good intentions and just if someone says something bothers you, don't get defensive about it. I mean, just no matter how they come at you, don't get defensive about it. Just try to just try to hear them out on it. Now, of course, if somebody attacks you on something or if they're just rude, you don't have to listen to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) So, Phil, where can we find you on social media, buddy? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at PhilDL616. And, of course, you can find my writing at BellToBells.com. I do a little bit of writing at DailyDDT as well. I can't thank you enough for for taking the time to to chat with me and and educate me. And like I said, you you think you, you sometimes I think people tweet stuff and don't think people are reading it. But understand, man, that that I'm reading it and I'm learning, and uh, you've educated me and you, you've changed me, and I, I sincerely appreciate that. That's good to hear, man. I appreciate it. Once again, I want to thank Phil Lindsay for joining me on the podcast and and uh, offering his opinion and um, helping educate. I hope you guys found that uh, worthwhile. I, I know I did. I, I asked some questions that I, I think I'm not the only person that has those questions. And uh, again, I appreciate him being open and, and honest and, and sharing. And uh, he didn't have to do that. And I, and I don't definitely don't take it for granted. So uh, once again, thank you. Um, check him out again at uh, Bell to Bells. He's the editor-in-chief there. They do a whole lot of good work. Um, if you like the Joshi Pod, you'll definitely would definitely like Bell to Bells. Um, also, guys, uh, the new music on the podcast this week, it's uh, brought to you by Justin Nipper, a.k.a. Interbeing, I-N-T-E-R-B-E-I-N-G. You can find him on SoundCloud, 
at soundcloud.com slash interbeingjmk. And also you can follow him on Twitter at Justin M. Nipper, J-U-S-T-I-N-M-K-N-I-P-P-E-R. If you need music for anything, he can uh, help you out with that. I met Justin outside of Ichikaya Chocolate Square. And uh, he and I, actually, I think I met him at Currican Hall first. I can't remember where I met him first at. But anyway, good guy. Uh, he was there when I gave Emmy the whole uh, speech about how I was going to tell the world about Gato Move. He probably doesn't remember it. I know she doesn't. But it's a, he was there for that. But it's a good guy. Uh, good follow on, on Twitter. So give him a follow. And of course, guys, before I go, i got to let you know about Quiet White Designs. If you need a logo for a shirt, a podcast, anything else, Snapchat filter, reach out to the team at Nolan. Uh, reach out to the team at Quiet White Designs. Uh, hit up Nolan. You can search for them on Facebook at Q-U-I-E-T-W-Y-A-T-T, one word, designs. You can also find them on Twitter at QWD underscore official and also at their website, QWDofficial.com. You can also follow the podcast at the Joshi pod on Twitter. And guys, thank you so much for, for listening today. Thank you for listening every week. I sincerely appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week. I think I'm going to have a fun one for you. Arigato gozaimasu. Hey everybody, back here at the Joshi Pod, and very excited to have on the show this week, Russian Dynamite, Masha Slamovich. So welcome to the show, Masha. Thank you for having me on your show tonight. It's actually 6 a, or 7 a.m. In, in California, it's what, almost a, what, 11 o'clock there right now? Yeah, a few minutes shy of 11 p.m. Wow, it's a weird world. So, uh... The Joshi Pod, we talk to uh, women that have gone or actually or now that are in Japan. Um, can you talk about how you first went over to Japan? I think it was, 20, was it 2016 for Reina? Yes, that is correct. How did you, how did you end up over with, uh, in, in Japan in 2016? So originally I began training at the World of Unpredictable Wrestling under Johnny Rods in Brooklyn, New York. And... In 2016, we had a working relationship with Reina as well as CMLL. So we had scouts, uh, I believe it was Yusuke Kodama and Makoto come over. Mm. And I guess they had picked me from the tryout. And that's how I ended up um, working with Reina in 2016. Why, why do you think they selected you over the, some of the other people at the uh, the camp? I, we we were very short on women. Uh, we had myself, we had uh, Karen Q, who's now with WWE, mm-hmm. and we also had MJ Jenkins there, who was also now with WWE. Uh, the belief of why I was picked was probably because they were intrigued because I was Russian. I suppose that was the answer that I was uh, given at the time, and that's <laughs> the answer that I will stick with. <laughs> <laughs> So talk about had you so you you're uh you have multiple um nationalities, right? You're you're you have your your Russian um citizenship and your US citizenship. Yes, that's correct. So you you travel quite a bit. So was traveling j- to Japan um something a new adventure for you or was it kind of just old hat cuz you you travel pretty often? Uh, it was definitely a new adventure. It was something that I had always wanted to do, you know, wrestling in Japan. And at the time, the it was 
my first match uh, after I turned 18 was actually with Reina. So I pretty much debuted here and started my career here, which is unfathomable. And it was it was such an honor. So it wasn't like, you know, just normally traveling to Russia or Belarus or wherever it may be. It was a trip of big, big significance to me. And was there any like culture shock when you first uh, went over to Japan? I suppose the thing that will forever stand out to me was that, I mean, I was prepared that nobody would really speak English, but when I was at the airport, I was greeted by a man just holding a, a, a flyer for the show and kind of just pointing at me. And he's like, just pointing, hoping that I would show up. So I walk up to him. I'm like, well, I guess you're here for me. And it was just, he's just like signaling, like, come with me. And it was just, you know, a silent ride. And he just, like, handed me money for food. We stopped at the, at the, like, the quickie, or what is it, the mini mart. And he just, like, got me some food. And then he, he left me at my hotel. And he's just like, all right, like, someone will come get you tomorrow or something. And he just left me. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so how old, how old are you at this point? You're just 18? Yes, I had just turned 18, like, three weeks before this. Or maybe two weeks. That's insane. That's that's pretty amazing. What do your what does your family think about you heading around the world when you just just turned eighteen? Um, I when the initial uh, conversations about the contract and whatever had started, my family was completely they were completely just like no, like what is because originally the tour I went in July. I was originally supposed to go in. I think it was May or something, and I was still in high school at the time. So, you know, I told my high school, I was like, yeah, well, I'm going, I'm going. I don't care <laughs> what you say. I don't care if I'm missing prom, graduation, my senior classes. I don't care. I'm going to go. So they were kind of against that. And they, they didn't believe that it was legit, I suppose, because they didn't, they don't know the significance of Japan and the wrestling world. To them, it's just, oh, a foreign country. So, you know, we had to convince them. And then I guess when the, when it got moved to July, they were just like, well, you know, she's done with high school, so whatever. So your your first day of training with Raina, kind of explain to me what, uh, what that process was. Uh, if I remember correctly, we had actually done a show straight away, and training happened like a couple of days after that. So when we we were training at the at the Zero One Dojo, mm-hmm. which was like halfway across the city we have to drive like an hour to get there or something so we get to this like i forget if it was like a warehouse or something we go up to the fifth floor and you know it's like it's it's a nice it's a nice dojo and i was the way that we were training in johnny rods was like intense preparation for training in japan and mexico so it wasn't difficult for me thankfully because i was already prepared for everything that was being done and i was just very excited to learn more of like the the traditions and different styles that you know of course we're not being taught everything in the states i wanted to learn the authentic japanese style so i was very excited for that were there any other uh, foreigners there when you were when you first went over to, with reina uh, yes there was there was some Canadian woman. Unfortunately, I don't remember her name. That's fine. That 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 fell into my memory somewhere. 
<laughs> so let's talk about your experience with Raina, about how uh, that whole process went for you. It was it was a great experience. I got to work uh, for Raina, obviously, and they also gave me opportunities to work with uh, Diana Women's Wrestling as well as Pro Wrestling Wave. So, oh, and I when I was in Pro Wrestling Wave, I got to team up with Jenny Rose, who had who I'd already met back in the states. So that was pretty fun. Um, it, overall, it was a fantastic experience because we got to train at the Zero One Dojo all the time. You know, we they took us to Tokyo Disney World or Disneyland. You know, you know, they took us out to Ribera. Like there was absolutely nothing more that I could ask for from that trip with between the training and the shows. You know, at 18 years old to have that experience, it, it's amazing. So did you ever go out and explore Japan by yourself when you when you first went over? I did. I would, you know, kind of sort out to the, the train system and I would go out and about. Um, I would also bike because I was living in Minami, Gyotoku, and I would bike over to the next, uh, like, city nearby. I think it was Itogawa. So I would, because we, at the building I was staying at, it was, it was like a, a house for... It wasn't a wrestler's house. It was a house for like foreigners who were coming for a prolonged period of time, say like students or people with a work visa. So they just had like a bunch of bicycles outside that we could use. So I was free to come and go as I please and for a jog, go explore the city, whatever it may be. So who are some of the wrestlers you kind of uh, rush shoulders with with that first run with Reina? Uh. Mercedes Martinez was mm. there that first show, so I definitely got to uh, rub shoulders with her. I ran in. Uh, Heidi Katrina came to Reina probably halfway or maybe towards the end of my tour there. Um, what about some of the Japanese but, women that you that you worked with or you trained with, or who stood who stood out uh, to you? Training with uh, Yusuke Kodama, who is like Tajiri's protege, that was really great. Uh, Makoto, and I forget the name of the woman who trained her, but that woman would also come and train with us. And we got to do a lot of cool uh, gymnastics-based training. Um, Mima Shimoda was also another person that I had ran across that first time here. Uh, Kaho Kobayashi, who I believe is with Ice Ribbon now. I ran across her as well. Um, and I also got to work with Pro Wrestling Wave, like I said, back then. And I worked for them this tour as well. So that was pretty cool to come back. And they were like, oh, man, you know, they didn't recognize me at first. And then when they found out who I was, they, 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 uh, they were pretty happy to see the progress that I'd made in four years. Yeah. So when you came back from from Reina, back to the U.S., what did you take with you when you came back that you'd learned over in Japan? It was, you know, it was just more, more crispness of movement. Also, the, the psychology of, of the matches, because here there's a lot of six-man, uh, six six-woman tag, and it's a lot of, you know, it's not like the kind of on it's flying in and out jumping in and out so more of a quick pace and thinking on your feet and it was also pretty 
it's pretty pretty backwards because when I was at Johnny Rods, we didn't. I don't think I learned how to properly call a match. It was I was taught to work on the fly. So when I came to Japan the first time, I had to learn how to call a match uh, and also call it in a in two different languages. <laughs> so that was that, that was probably. That was probably the biggest learning because I thought to myself, I'm like, well, if I can call a match in a mix of English, Japanese, and Spanish, then I should be able to call a match in English when I get home. <laughs> did any of the, the women that you you worked with in Reina, did you become friends with any of them? Did, was anybody closer than, than somebody else, you know, that you, you kind of may have bonded with? Uh, me and Heidi had stayed in contact um, over the years, and we met up again finally last year when we were working for uh, Women's Wrestling Revolution up in Boston. That was pretty fun. Um, you know, all the other women, we were all uh, friendly. There was definitely a language barrier. Mm -hmm. um, I think we all kind of, we all have each other on social media, but we haven't really kept in too close of a contact but I think we all just kind of keep up with each other through like Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. But there's nobody that kind of like looks out for you, you know, about some other wrestler that kind of, I don't know, empathizes for you being in a foreign country by yourself. Um, there was, there was one woman, uh, her name was Francesca that we had, we had hung out, uh, several times. Yeah. I, she stands out to me. And yeah, like I said, I hung out with Heidi Katrina while she was here as well. So and other than that, when we went out, we all went out as like a group. Like when I said when we went to Tokyo Disney, uh, Disney World, that was like an entire uh, company adventure. So that was that was a really fun trip that we all took together. So people see you guys at Disney and just see the crazy wrestlers all walking around Disney together. Yeah, uh, they're just like, I wonder who all these because everyone got the little uh, the mouse ears. And we're all just like taking pictures of this giant group and we're all just doing all these wrestler poses. I, all the people are just like, what, what is this? It's just this pack of women running around. <laughs> did you get to eat popcorn at Tokyo Disneyland? I probably did, but I don't think I would remember that detail, but most what, likely I did. One of my, because I've been to Tokyo Disneyland as well. One of my memories is just the giant long lines for popcorn there. And it's like all different flavored popcorns as well, like soy sauce flavor and all other flavors. It just that's one thing that stood out to me when I just saw the lines of people waiting in line for popcorn. Probably more, more entertaining popcorn than you would see at like the American Disney, right? I've never seen soy sauce flavored in in America. No, not at all. <laughs> so, how did this latest opportunity with uh, Marvelous come about? Uh, honestly, I I just stumbled across a link on like Facebook. And it was just like this tiny little note. They're like, Marvelous is coming to the United States and having a tryout. And I was actually pretty shocked that it wasn't bigger news in the wrestling community, especially like the local women of like New York City. The tryout was held at FTW in Long Island. And, it, you know, knowing that Marvelous is a women's company, including myself, there was six women who showed up to the tryout and probably about 20 men. So that was kind of confusing, but yeah, uh, yeah but there was like, uh, there was a woman from like Ohio and a woman from Florida and then Delmi XO um, came down from, what is it, Rhode Island or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, 
I think there was like a girl from Pennsylvania. So I was pretty shocked that there was only me and another local girl from the New York City area at said tryout. Who who was there representing Marvelous? Um, Takumi Iroha and Chigusa Nagayo came down. Oh, they both uh, came. We, okay. Yes, they both came, and they came with the translator. And yeah, I think that's a. I think that's everyone that I remember being at the tryout from from Japan. Chigusa Nagayo seems very intimidating to me. She she can be definitely, but she is. The sweetest and nicest she's she's the best i really can't say enough like she she's so caring towards all of her girls and towards me and like the other foreigners that come here she's she's the best everyone here really is i mean all the girls are fantastic here yeah i, I interviewed bull nakano a couple months ago and, and now next on my list for, as far as the legends go is chigusa so i'm gonna work on her next to see what i can do <laughs> Good luck. I hope that happens. I'll definitely listen to your interview. Then. All right. So you have the tryout. So what's what's the next part of the process as far as being uh, picked to come over? Well, pretty much, um, we just had the tryout. Uh, me and Delmi Exo, we both got picked. We actually wrestled each other in the tryout, and it's like we did the tryout and we went home, and it was just nothing. Just waiting and waiting for. I think the tryout was late August or early September. I think I, if I'm not wrong, one, I think it was Takumi who a couple months later, she just asked me like, do you have Twitter or something? And I was like, yes. So we added each other on Twitter. She's like, all right, just like wait. And that was it. I didn't hear anything for a couple more months. And then I finally got an email probably in like December so yeah, or maybe November, and and they were like, you know, congratulations, we've selected you, um, and then became the process of like sending each other documents, me going to the embassy, trying to get all the stuff for the work visa worked out. Which, um, while they were sending me my certificate of eligibility, my post office lost it, so that delayed the process by like three weeks. As I'm trying to find it, it was God, it was the most frustrating moment of my life. I bet holding up your dream a little bit longer right <laughs> oh it was insane because it had arrived and then they're like well it's magically lost by the time they found it i was already doing uh, a couple of gigs up in canada so they call me and they're like you can come get your package i'm like i'm not even in the country now so i had to i had to like talk to the supervisor and like sign off so i could tell my mother to rush over there and pick it up it was it was wild so when you flew over did you fly with delmi no, she came a couple of days before me c- because we were coming from separate cities. Mm. So well, when you landed, who who greeted you? At the, I, I like to ask these kind of questions. Who greeted you at the airport when you came this time? Uh, Takumi herself came down to pick me up. That's nice. I, I think she's the best wrestler in the world right now, personally. She's phenomenal. She's amazing when i got to wrestle both her and um nagayo-san it was like the most mind-blowing match ever (laughs) so are you staying at a dorm in there in uh with marvelous uh we have a house where everyone lives in together so i have a room in the house how's that with uh, living with with everybody there it's it's fantastic um you know the the foreigners uh, 
get their own rooms here, which was which was quite shocking to me because I was fully prepared to share a room when I got here. Um, so that was that's you know it's it's nice. It's very very nice. I have my own room, and then anything outside of that, we're always uh, together in like the kitchen and the common area uh, with all the girls. Uh, we have fourteen dogs, so we have dogs <laughs> all over the place in here, and the dojo is quite literally five feet away from the house. So we can just go over and work out and train every day. It's probably the best setup that I know of in, in Japan. So it's like eat, sleep, drink, wrestle, right? Quite literally, because I'll wake up and because uh, everyone kind of has like one or two dogs assigned to them. <laughs> so I have the giant Akita Harima. So I'll wake up in the morning I'll take the dog for a walk, have a breakfast. And then we train from 10.30 to 2.30 every day, break for lunch. And then I go to do my own uh, weightlifting training, which I do every day from about 4.30 to 6.30. And then we do um, the YouTube Live, which I run on Fridays, the fitness class. And then we have dinner and then we go to bed and then we repeat that every single day. That's what I find very interesting about the the Japanese uh, wrestling scene is like this is their this is your job you know that's it's like, equivalent to like a nine to fiver here in the U.S. you know your job is being a wrestler. Absolutely, and I love it. I like this is this is my biggest dream. Like if you would have told me a couple of years ago that this would be my life, I would have told you you're a liar <laughs> because this is like wake up, wrestle, weightlift, wake up like this. I couldn't imagine a better situation for myself because wrestling is my everything. It's my entire life. And if I can just devote every waking moment of my life to honing my craft and getting better and getting in better shape, then there's absolutely nothing else I'd be rather doing. So what day did you land in Tokyo this time? Uh, I think it was January 24th or 25th. So you were there you were there a couple of weeks before you actually got into a match. Yeah, I was supposed to do the the show on January 26th, but because I had arrived quite literally like the night before, I hadn't had time to like speak with any of the opponents or anything like that, so they um, you know, there was just not enough preparation to go the mm-hmm. next morning and wrestle. Unfortunately, because I was fully prepared. I was like, I'll go out there. <laughs> so what's the training, the difference with the training with Reina versus Marvelous? Uh, it's longer, quite, quite longer. Um, there's, it's like broken up very strategically. First, we'll do um, like footwork, you know, the little ladders and the jumping, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what they do for like, football. so we'll do that as a, as a warm up. Then we have time to stretch and then we'll do like push-ups, sit-ups, squats, neck exercises, uh, you know, all kinds of calisthenics or whatever other intriguing workouts that there may be. So that'll take up quite a bit of time. And then we'll actually start doing rolls, bumps, you know, practicing whatever it may be, moves, spots, rope work chaining, shooting, whatever it is that we're doing um, that day or like at that time, and that'll be the training. So who's a, a low-key shooter in Marvelous that nobody would think would be a shooter? Quite everyone here is 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 
good at shooting. I can't really say that anyone is <laughs> worse or better than anybody else. What do you think about? I mean, because I, I, Marvelous actually put some of their training online, which I think is is I think it's great. You know, kayfabe is kind of still a thing over in Japan, but I, I like the idea of them showing you know some of the training that you guys do with each other. Has that changed from 2016 to 2020 a little bit of what you know kayfabe over in Japan is? When we were with Reina, we never ever streamed anything. Um, I don't even think Instagram had a live section at that time. <laughs> I think Instagram was still like a new thing. Uh, so it was like we just do shows. Like the social media was not. It wasn't the, like there wasn't TikTok. There wasn't. <laughs> any of these things it was like you put up your flyers for your shows and then you quietly go do your training as compared to now where i don't know if you saw earlier today our dancing routine that we yes. did <laughs> yeah so, there you have it <laughs> <laughs> no I, I think it's one i mean it's 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 becoming more modern because I, I talked to some organizations about interviewing some wrestlers and they just don't want me to talk to people because they want to keep the, the whole kayfabe narrative over there. They don't want people to be people. So not every organization, just some of the organizations. So I find it very uh, refreshing to see that uh, somebody as traditional as, as Chigusa is open to, to things like this. Um, personally, me, even though I am part of Marvelous, I think that th there is an understanding that when I'm in America, I'm an independent wrestler. So mm -hmm. I don't like if you were to interview one of the other girls, they would have to clear it with Nagayo-san. Yeah. Whereas if I wanted, like I do like three interviews a week now that it's like quarantine time, right? <laughs> Which I don't have to announce any of these things. I just kind of do them. Um, yeah. You know, but I speak carefully. So. Yeah, yeah, and that you, you should. Yeah, absolutely. You shouldn't just throw everything out there. But uh, no, I, I just think just as a as a company, they're they're being a little more um, innovative. I think as far as being uh, out there with with information and, and training and, and stuff like that. You know, we we all know what it is. You know, so it's it's yeah. I, I think it's very uh, different for some from a lot of other Japanese companies that they're they're open to doing this. So I'm kind of praising Marvelous for being uh, forward thinking. <laughs> Yeah, Marvelous is very, very heavy with uh, social media presence, which is a very good thing um, because it works very well for everyone, all of the girls here and for the company itself um, between the TikTok and the YouTube live and the dojo streaming shows and all of this. It gets a lot of, you know, it keeps the fans interacting and it keeps them involved as um Compared to, as I said, in like 2016, it's like you see one show and then you see the next show and you have no idea what we've been doing um, between show A and show B, which me personally, I have no problem. I'm pretty old school, so I, I don't mind that. But, you know, times are evolving and we have to evolve with the times. Yeah. So your your first match with Marvelous when you got there was uh, was the six man match. Against Delmi, yeah. Maria, and Miyuki Takase? Yes, that was my first match. What was it like being in the, back in the ring in Japan again for after a while? <sighs> Man, that that specific night, it, it was just like the most incredible feeling. Because I remember wrestling in Chinky Buffer's ring back when I was with uh, Pro Wrestling Wave the first time around. And I... I think Raina may have done another show there, but I can't. Yeah, I think we did another show there. But 
you know, it was just like I was I was I remember standing backstage very clearly and like I think the other team went out or something like that. And then it's like I just kind of took a moment to realize I'm like I have wanted to be back here since the moment I left and it was been four years. And when I mm. walked out, it it's like everything in the world stopped, like nothing mattered. It was just the lights, the ring. And I just walked in there and I felt so at home, like it was, it was like excitement, but it was just like the most overwhelming peace. It just felt, it felt right. It felt like I belonged there. So I, I don't think I'll ever forget that, that feeling of coming back there after four years. So you came the first time basically as a kid. Now you're a woman. Is it, I mean, that, that's, a, I, I'm, that's super awesome. It's, that's, that's awesome. And Shinkiba is an, an awesome place to watch wrestling as well. I love working there and the footage that comes out of there looks phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so intimate too. It's, it's, it's a cool place to, uh, to watch a show. So you, you had another match in February against Delmi and Leo Izaki, um, also at Shinkiba. Uh, is it fun to wrestle Delmi in, in over in Japan? Yes, it is. And also this was our first time that specific match, uh, not working in any kind of tag or three-way team. Because the times that we had worked in the States, uh, it was my tag team, myself and Violet as Bad Company versus the Sea Stars. Mm -hmm. So it was an interesting dynamic where we were both out of the tag team picture and we were, were both, uh, you know, on our own in the triple threat. So that was pretty fun and different for both of us. So the next one's your big one, the, the Takumi and Shigusa versus you and May. Tell me about that match with getting in the ring I mean, with Chigusa first, but Takumi as well. Kind of uh, <laughs> explain to the world how um, magical it is to wrestle those two. Oh man! So originally that was not uh, the the scheduled match. There was supposed to be another person um, in Nagayo-san's place, but there was an injury. Like literally the night before, at week ten, or in the morning, and you know the girl gets injured and. Uh, I'm just like, well, what's what's going to happen now? So nobody says anything. They just kind of give me the runaround. And I, it's like 11.30. And then Delmi hands me my, the phone. And she's like, just look at this. And then I see the flyer that they changed it to like Takumi and Nagayo-san. And I just kind of sat there with my mouth open. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I just <laughs> I just couldn't uh, process. I was I was so excited. And then literally, you know, we get there the next day, we have to set up and get dressed, put makeup on, you know, everyone got things to do. But when I walked out to the ring, and then Nagayo-san and Takumi-san made their entrances, like, it was, I was, I, even if I, because I thought at that point that I was going to be leaving in a couple of days to America, mm -hmm. so I was like, this is my last match in Japan for this tour. This is nuts. Like, this is, I could not think of a better way to end this trip and the match itself you know working with the both of them it was fantastic it it was great i can't praise that match enough both nagayo-san of course and takumi-san it you know we just main eventing in yokohama was probably one of the best moments of my wrestling career so does it give you i mean i'm sure it makes you feel great but just them to have a confidence in you and trust in you to to wrestle them Absolutely. That that itself meant so much to me that they saw that I was 
like worthy as a wrestler and they had confidence in me to go out there and to you know do the match with quite literally no preparation whatsoever because again we found out about this at 11 30 p.m went to bed, and we're off to the show this was last minute slapdash but it was it was great and you know um just after the match just like Nagayo-san gave me a hug and we we sat there in the ring and you know we she was giving one of her speeches and then we got to the back you know of course I asked her I'm like please give me criticism on the match and all she had to say was good things and I mean that was one of the proudest moments I had of myself because you know Nagayo-san gave me this trust and the compliments that she gave me meant the absolute world to me i almost went to that i was in japan at that time i almost went to that show but i like i couldn't make another trip to yokohama i was kind of just over the trains at that point so i didn't go out there i, I, I regret not going now because i would love to see i've never seen shigusa wrestle live so i would love to see her wrestle live oh, i wish you had come to the show it was such a it was such a good show yeah, like Natsu's on that show as well and stuff. So, yeah, a fun show. So, okay, so I got out just in time before the end of March. You, um, the world went kind of sideways at this point as far as uh, everything going on with COVID and stuff like that. So you were planning on leaving and then that changed? Well, it's it was kind of a... It was kind of a strange situation because I think it was like two weeks or something like that before this that they had offered me to stay actually like mm. before any of this covid stuff started happening they said that they wanted me to stay so i said you know give me give me a, a week to sort things out and you know clearly that was only up to me by the time yokohama rolled around because everything got canceled so you know at this point i was thinking i'm like you know, I still have, I think I had, I had a gig up in Canada and I had like a couple of shows across the States, but I mean, literally like two days after that show, everything just, you know, the COVID thing happened. So mm -hmm. I pretty much was like, all right, let's extend, because they offered to extend my visa. So I was like, all right, let's go extend my visa. And I was like, I'll stay here six months. <laughs> I was like, I, now that there is no wrestling there's no gym like if going home to new york was like going to prison <laughs> so i was like I, I don't care i'll live out of my suitcase for the next six months you want me to stay here for a year i'll stay here for a year i was <laughs> i'm still going to stay here until next year i don't care i absolutely love it here so you you did the uh the dojo match against um, mikoto shindo who somebody i wanted to ask you about i think she's uh She's a little tiny girl, but she's a little powerhouse as well. What's it like to wrestle Mikoto Shindo? It was great. Um, like you said, she's small. She's a powerhouse. She's flexible. She can fly around. That girl can do it all. So um, that was a really fun match to have because we both got to do a bunch of, you know, like she got to do a bunch of her shit stuff. Sorry, I'm not. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we both got to do a bunch of cool things in the match. And I like opponents who aren't afraid to hit me. I'm I'm quite a fan and uh, I like to practice strong style. So I was very glad that she was willing to go in there and work at a hard hitting and fast, fast pace. So 
some of my listeners, they asked me to ask you about a few different uh, wrestlers over there to get your opinion on them and just kind of, we see them from social media, but just, we want to know uh, a little more in depth about, about some of them. Uh, first one is Maria. Well, what do you guys want to know is, is the question. <laughs> just about her, her wrestling and training. Cause we just see that a certain image on, on social media, just uh Tell us a little about her, her wrestling, her, her future, what you think about her in the ring and just as a person as well. As a person, Maria, she is, she's so nice and she's so funny. Um, and her, the, the dog that like her dog here, um, is so adorable. He's, he's scared of, of Nyla Rose, actually. (laughs) Uh, I guess Nyla had scared the dog while he was a puppy. So He's scared of every um, gaijin who comes here. So he was scared of me for like two months and Delmi as well. Uh, now, now, I'm cool with the, now I'm cool with the dog. <laughs> but uh, that, that was very funny and cute. Um, Maria's, Maria's really great. I got to wrestle her on the next dojo show after I wrestled uh, Mikoto. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's very fast. She's very light. Um, she's quite the technician. I really like working um, submissions and stuff like that with her. So no offense to people you work with in the States and Canada and stuff, but is it just a little more crisp and tight and whatever you want to call it and just smoother with the Japanese women, you think? Well, the style is very different, um, mm. first of all. So it's not, I think because of all the things that I learned here, it's going to be slightly difficult to try and bring that over to the States because I can't show up to a wrestling show and attempt to teach you or like explain to you all of the style here, like the way that they work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially here, they work on the right side, um, yeah. which thankfully to me, I thought way back when I was at Johnny Rod that I had better learn to do everything on the right side. just, case and oh boy did that pay off um but you know it's just very different i can't say that it's more crisp or anything like that because it's literally just a different style like the things that i do in the states i wouldn't do here and i'm probably gonna have difficulty doing what i do here over there do you think it's too because i mean they in the states i mean a lot of the the women have to have uh nine to five jobs as well and these women just you know, drill, 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 drill. And they can, I think they can get, I don't say better, but you know, just more, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but just, you know, they, they, they drill so much and it's their job that they can concentrate on it so much more than maybe people here in the States or in Canada or other places. I would definitely say that with every specific wrestler, they have like their things. So like, you can be a powerhouse or you could be a high flyer and it's like, you're going to be excelling in that thing that you do. So it's like, you can compare a wrestler who has a nine to five in America. And it's like, they might be able to do, let's say 70% of both of those things, like powerhouse and high flying. But here, you will get a wrestler who 110% is good at what they do. Like they're high flying. They're going to be really good at that. They can still do the other things, but in their specific style or or like choice of uh, technique, they're going to excel in it. Has your dropkick gotten better since you've been in Japan? 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Every single person I've talked to that's traveled there, they just saw they all say they come back with a better drop kick. One hundred percent. Has anybody hit you so hard there? You were kind of shocked, you know, that that like you weren't expecting it from somebody, and they they got you good. Not this time around. No. Uh, sometimes when I'm in the ring with the girls, I have to watch myself so I don't accidentally go off on someone too hard. Uh, but I remember the first time when I was here with Ray and I took this one kick and I think my soul left my body and there's like a picture of it happening too. So, Because <laughs> some of those stuff, I mean, the, the women hit harder than the men over there. I, I'm all for it. I don't mind that. I, I would much rather go in there and take a hit and give a hit. All right, I'm going to ask you about a couple more people before we wrap up here. Um, so uh, Mio Momono, her social media game is so strong. She seems so much fun. Uh, please tell me that it's real and not made for social media. It is absolutely 110% real. I mean, every time she walks into a room, she just lights up the room with her energy and her smile and her laugh and just like her giggly happy personality Mio Mimono is her character is what she lives in real life it's <laughs> up to 500 all the time and it's it's actually quite fantastic I love it because you know you might be having a bad day and she'll just walk in the room and make you smile immediately yeah it's she's great I love her 30 second videos too that she puts on social media those are just made they just seem so passionate. I, I don't understand a word she's saying, but I still watch them because she just seems so passionate and happy. She's always like, she's just always happy and laughing. And it's, it's yeah, I think if, if I had to like pick a favorite person here, I guess it would be her because like her personality is uh, infectious. <laughs> So the, the last person I want to ask you about is Takumi Roja. I want to go, go in depth with her. I, I, like I told you before, I think she's the best uh, women's wrestler in the world right now. Um, tell us, a, tell us about Takumi. Tell us about, you know, how, how she is as a person and, and how she is as a wrestler. She's like, you know, I don't have to tell you that she's a great wrestler. I'm sure everybody already knows that she's so good in the ring and with like training and like ex explaining things and teaching things she just like she breaks everything down you know it's really it's really great um and she te she teaches a lot of like different and new techniques um so that's really awesome and as a person she's so kind you know it's she's like she's like quiet but um but she's she always like smiles and she's very very kind and it's She's pretty, she's pretty great as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it says a whole lot that Chigusa kind of handed over the, the reins to her a little bit. You know, I'm sure Chigusa doesn't get, do that lightly, you know? Absolutely not. She, um, they're very close, the both of them. And um, I can't, I can't uh, say anything aside from she made the right choice because uh, the company is in very good hands with Takumi-san. So what have you done um, outside the ring this time that you maybe didn't do last time you were over over in Japan? So when Delmi was here, I just would leave Delmi in charge of our Sunday adventures <laughs> because she would always like she would go online and find something. She's like, oh, we got to go here or this. I'm like, you do. You just lead these adventures, girl. <laughs> so we <laughs> we went to 
like this outdoor market in Akihabara, which was pretty great because we went and like tell me she's like a foodie. So she <laughs> would half force me half be like, but it makes you so happy. <laughs> she would she'd be like, try these donuts or this ice cream or this melon pond. And we would always go on like these food adventures on Sundays. Um, we also went um, when a bunch of the GCW people were here doing work with Freedoms. We mm -hmm. all went with uh, Delmi and Layla and a bunch of the boys. We went to Mr. Danger's Steakhouse. And I cannot put that steak over enough. Because <laughs> that was probably the best steak that I've ever had in my entire life. Like anywhere on this planet. And like the little, the chili like soup that they have there mind-blowing the food freaking mind-blowing probably my favorite place that we went to out of all of our food adventures so what haven't you done wrestling wise personally in japan that you want to do before you you leave this time any places you want to wrestle any buildings you want to wrestle anything like that any people you want to wrestle uh well of course um you know, it's not going to happen this time, but uh, hopefully at some point in the future, the Tokyo Dome. Mm. But that's uh, shooting high and shooting for big things. Um, of course, while I'm here, I want to work for as many companies as possible. And, you know, I just really hope that we start doing live shows again soon, uh, which is sort of looking like a probable possibility because the state of emergency here is over. So... And I hear a bunch of companies are talking about running shows. So hopefully we'll get to go back to Chinky Buffer's ring. I definitely want to do work with Sendai Girls. Um, and I know that uh, Gaia Japan was supposed to come back. But of mm -hmm. course, coronavirus got in the way of that. So, you know, I would be beyond honored and hope that when that does come back that i would be considered to wrestle with them excellent may i ask you about hana kimura's passing yes okay so uh chigusa's uh, made some comments i guess they you know she's and and takumi's got kind of a, they both have a relationship with stardom um they have in the past you know and worked recently with stardom not too long ago um how was it I mean, obviously it's a tragedy. I mean, obviously it's a tragedy. But how was it portrayed to the media in Japan, or how did we, how did you kind of see how it the whole story unfolded? How was it uh, over there from what you heard and what you've seen? Well, initially, it's like we all found out here just before the media found out. So it's like we were just watching it unfold on Twitter and all types of social media sites throughout the day. And it was rough. I mean, it was so rough because she had such an impact and she had touched so many lives. She was so bright and she, she was undoubtedly going to be, you know, 10 times the star that she already was. And it was, it was such a, such a tragedy. I mean, I, it was it was awful because it's like when Delmi was here, she was telling me about how um, like actors and like K-pop stars and stuff like that, like this kind of thing happens where they get stalked 
and they get bullied because the fans can't understand that what they see on you know reality tv or like music videos that they don't they don't understand that that's a character and that there's like a there's a human being behind that character so like as a as a human being it's mind-blowing to think that those people saw whatever they saw on terrace house and they thought that I'm going to write to this girl and I'm going to say all of these terrible things and push her, like to push somebody to that point. It's despicable. It's horrible. You know, and it's like whoever did that, I, Universal Karma is going to get those people back undoubtedly, but we can't bring Hannah Kimura back. And that is, it's, it's, it's terrible. And I just, there's, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, and then Chigusa has been pretty out there as well as far as um, being pretty vocal about, about things, which I think is wonderful. I think the the legends like her need to come out and, and be vocal about uh, making change. They yeah. do, because, you know, especially, like you said, Marvelous is very much um, involved on social media, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all that other stuff. And I just, I can't imagine anybody doing that to one of the girls here that these are the kind of things that just should not happen. Yeah. In, in Japan has a, I mean, I, I, I never lived in Japan, but I mean, I see that the fans there, they're very, um, very loyal, very, um, <laughs> almost super fans to, to promotions to certain wrestlers as well. So, um, and I, I don't think it was wrestling fans that were sending Hana those messages either. I think it was other people. So. Yeah. yeah from what, from what was um, understood, it was not the wrestling fans. It was the fans of Terrace House, where yeah. she was an actress. So it was that world, because quite frankly, I haven't heard anything like this happening in wrestling. Because if anything, the fans here are so kind, and they're only happy to come. And like, like girls get like crazy gifts here you know, from the fans, like, designer things, and it's like, <laughs> I don't imagine that these would be the same fans that would turn around and say these kind of things to somebody that they look up to. Yeah. Alright, so let's wrap up here. So, how much longer do you think you're going to be in Japan right now? As of right now, I'm expecting to be here until middle or end of July, unless there's another visa extension waiting for me, in which case I will remain here as long as possible, hopefully forever. <laughs> <laughs> so with marvelous you say you work for other promotions as well as when you go to those other promotions is marvelous the one handling the the bookings on those yes and it, it's a good networking possibilities for you as well absolutely it is um working with marvelous is great because you know if they see that you work hard and you're dedicated to then and they will put that same effort back into you. Do you have a fear that if you come home because of the travel restrictions, you may not be able to go back to Japan for a while? Yes, absolutely. And that's why I don't want to go home because, you know, if for some reason there was to, an opportunity to arise here, I would not want to miss that. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me here. Uh, share your social media, share anything you want, please. And uh, go ahead. 
All right. Thank you so much for having me today. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Masha Slamovich. You can also find me at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Masha Slamovich. I have a new t-shirt that came out last month that is on the topic of me being here in Japan. So feel free to check those out and support me in another country. <laughs> <laughs> I will be, I, you will see an order for me coming today. I will push, I'll put an order in for a t-shirt today. Thank you so much. And then Marvelous has uh, marvelcompany.co.jp and their Twitter is at info underscore Marvelous and uh, support Masha, support Marvelous. Let's keep her Japanese dreams alive, guys. Let's uh, show her all the support and uh, thank her again for, for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me.